Many of us have experienced that feeling of falling in love with someone that our parents thought was unsuitable. But what if that unsuitable match was a dog? This is the story of how Emma fell in love with an unsuitable dog called Hope and how, in the end, her mum made huge sacrifices and travelled thousands of miles to keep Hope safe. Hello, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Claire Mansell in London, England. Welcome to Dog Edition. Where voices from around the world consider all things dog. On the show today, we meet mother and daughter, Lucy and Emma, and hear about their epic journey across two continents and an ocean to keep the dog that Emma rescued safe. We find out how in some places in the world, simply having a dog that looks a certain way can mean imprisonment for the owner and a death sentence for the dog. And we find out why animal welfare charities are fighting to change the rules. Hey Pepper, wanna go for a walk? So Claire, this is a story which you uncovered when you were on the Queen Mary a few months ago. That's correct, yeah. So that's how me and my family came back to the UK after the two years that we spent in Canada. And the ship has kennels on board. And Mm. so, as you can imagine, I went and talked to a few of the dog owners and the cat owners who were on board because I was really curious about it. And one of those owners who I spoke to was Emma. And I asked her what I thought was a simple question, which was, where had she come from and where was she going to? And I didn't quite get the answer I was expecting. I'm coming from Portland, Oregon, and my final destination on this cruise is Hamburg, but Hope's final destination is actually Porto, Portugal. I can see why you were intrigued. So Emma's story actually begins not in America, not in the UK, but in Paris at the start of the pandemic. Mm. She was studying for her degree when suddenly everything closed down. So she decided she would rather be closer to family. And she headed back to the US to be with her mum. I got a nice little place, a house with a yard, because the biggest thing that had been missing from my life when I was in Europe had been a pet. I had a very clear vision. I'm going to make this work for me and finally be able to have another animal. During lockdown, Emma's local shelters were inundated with requests for pandemic pups. So she had to look further afield. I went on Pet Finder, which is the big adoptable pet, almost clearinghouse in the United States. And I knew I wanted a pit bull. I just felt strongly that it was a breed that is more likely than any other to be summarily executed in the shelter system. And I just wanted to give a loving home to an animal who might not otherwise have those opportunities. So I was browsing for a pit bull specifically. That's pretty good advice for anyone who is thinking about adopting a pet. Well, Emma's mom, her name is Lucy, is a dog lover as well. And she'll do anything for her daughter, as you'll find out later in this show. But back in 2020, she had some pretty strong opinions when Emma told her that she was planning to get a pit bull. Absolutely don't do that. Anything but that. I have my daughter finally home in the midst of the COVID pandemic. And she's saying, I want to go online, get a dog sight unseen. It's a rescue. It's got problems, probably, because it's a rescue. And by the way, it's a pit bull. I can't even explain it to you. 
but I saw her face and I saw her eyes and I just said, that's my dog. I'm sorry, mom, but that's my dog. Mm. We've all had those little titter-tats <laughs> with our with our parents, right? <laughs> they have a fantastic relationship, those two, actually. It's wonderful. So whatever it was in Hope's eyes, whether it was something genetic or emotion or some sort of maybe spiritual connection, Emma's mum, Lucy, saw it too, and she started to soften. Hmm. She has very intense eyes, very beautiful. It's as if someone's taken heavy eyeliner and outlined the eyes of this dog. If you catch her in the right light, she has yellow eyes that kind of glow. I found it very beautiful. And I just felt like I could see the personality of the dog, eyes of the window to the soul and all that. And that's how I felt about her. So finding her dog online was relatively easy. But this was the middle of the pandemic and Hope was in a shelter in Texas, which was 2,000 miles away. Getting her home wasn't going to be straightforward. Emma handed her money over to the shelter, which made her mother even more concerned. It did seem like Texas was a long way away. The dollar amount seemed very large. The whole thing seemed just fraught with uh, danger and difficulty. And there was another problem. I started talking to the rescuers in Texas, looking at what it would take to get her to my location. And then the state was on fire. Tonight, a growing race to contain a fiery nightmare. Multiple Texas fires merging, ablaze torching 45,000 acres and dozens of homes, launching a desperate rescue effort. She couldn't come initially because the air quality was dangerously poor. The sky, I have pictures of it, it was like this blood orange red all the time, like in the middle of the day from the wildfires. But the wildfires and the pandemic were not the only things that Emma had to worry about. One morning, she woke up to an email from the shelter in Texas. Another dog actually seemed to try to attack her through the bars. They sent me pictures of her face, bloody, and she chipped her teeth. And I was in contact with them, texting them like, I've found a university animal hospital. It looks really good. If you have to get any dental work done, I want you to send her here. I'll pay for it. Just please take good care of this dog. I was just sobbing, seeing her little face all bloody. It was really bad. Eventually, the news that Emma had been waiting for. Her dog was finally coming to Oregon. Finally, she did get put on the transport. She got across half the country from Texas to Oregon. A Fred Meyer parking lot, which is like a grocery store, is where I took possession of the dog. Hope had now traveled across four states to reach Emma and find a place where she could finally call home forever. But fate, as it often does, had other things in mind. In the Fred Meyer parking lot, the happy union with Hope was tainted by seeing how she had spent the last two days on the road. I was pretty appalled at the conditions that she was transported in. It was extremely small kennels, a van full of barking dogs. When we saw inside, because they pulled like the sliding side door open, you could see just all these cramped little cages one after the other and the sound of the barking was just maddening the sad reality is that with so many dogs that need saving in texas if rescuers can squeeze just one more dog into a crate and one more dog into a van then they'll do that so they can get as many dogs rescued as possible because if a dog suffers a little bit of discomfort for a few hours and it saves a life well they reckon that is worth the price 
It was hard to see, but I understand the conditions. These dogs are coming out of extreme poverty and an extremely challenging situation. I don't say it to cast aspersions. I say it because it was a part of the experience. The next challenge for Emma and her mum was getting Hope from that crowded van into their car. An easy thing to do if you've got a young puppy or a (laughs) well-adjusted dog, but not a terrified shelter dog who spent the last two days in a small space. She got brought out of these van kennels, just cowering, couldn't stand on her own feet. With her legs all pulled up, she looked quite like a potato. And they just transferred her and just we hefted her up and kind of flopped her into the back of our car. So we've got this completely unfamiliar pit bull in the back of our car. And we're like, what now? That was the question. And it was a gotcha moment. A scared dog and two nervous humans in a parking lot in the middle of town. The rescue van drove off and the two women were left on their own. She seemed terrified and I thought it would be comforting to her perhaps to have me crawl in. So we'd put the back seats down and we'd put a dog bed for her. And I just crawled in the back of the car and laid flat on my side next to her and stayed that way. I was just over on the left side and she was on the right side and we were just looking at each other. And I just laid there just, gosh, I really hope this dog doesn't bite my face off. That was how we drove home. Hmm. I love that image. Lucy was driving and she remembers hearing Emma in the back of the car whispering to Hope and trying to keep her calm and hoping that everything was going to be okay. You're okay. You're okay. It's going to be okay. We're we're good. You're safe. Just soothing her. It was lovely. And then this magical little thing happened after probably five minutes of us being there in close proximity sort of face to face, she actually slowly brought her face over and she licked my nose. And I felt so relieved because that was just the sign that I needed, the confirmation that I hadn't done this really crazy thing and caused terrible problems. From that moment forward, I knew, I just knew she was home. Back at Emma's house, the two women faced another problem. One of the rescue team members had helped get Hope in the car in the parking lot, But now, these two women had to get her out of the car, and she didn't want to move. And Lucy was still wrestling with her fear of this powerful new dog. I was afraid of her because I'd had a prior experience with a pit bull that had come out of a yard many years earlier and attacked my dog. And so I had every possible level of fear and discrimination that you can have against pit bulls. They had to get Hope from the car to the safety of an enclosed garden. It was food that got her out of the car and into the yard. But then when she got into the yard, she definitely wasn't coming into the house. She was like a wild animal. She ran the corner and she's there, her glowing yellow eyes in the corner of the yard, (laughs) as far away from us as she could get. And we're vegetarians, but I thought that the smell of beyond meat sausage cooking might actually do the trick in terms of enticing her into the house, making it smell really good. So I went inside and I cooked some sausage and I was right. A little bit of sausage or even (laughs) vegan sausage works, I guess. (laughs) Despite everything she had been through in the shelter and the long journey across the United States, once inside Emma's home, hope began to heal. 
the quick turnaround from her being just terrified of her new environment to just deciding that she was going to trust. I felt like I could almost see the decision happen in her eyes. Hope settled into her new home slowly and tentatively started exploring the neighbourhood on walks, while Emma sat out the pandemic, waiting for the world to restart. I was actually thinking I would stay in the States for another year or two and finish my master's. But I applied to this university program. I got my acceptance around the beginning of March and then we knew it was on at that point. This opportunity with this program was just far too good. But at the time, I did not know about the meaning of Hope's breed and what would happen. It was out of the question that she would leave her pets behind. So Emma started looking around for ways to get Hope to Europe. She didn't want to fly there because Hope is frightened of loud noises. Where she's from is very rural and they have some interesting policies apparently when it comes to shelter dogs. There's like an enclosure that they're all in, paddock almost, and when they have too many, apparently they take a gun and they shoot them in the head. So my dog is lethally afraid of gunshots, like beyond what many dogs feel when they hear fireworks, gunshots, etc. She'll go into as small a space as she can find and she will not come out for many hours. She's spent up to 36 hours in this sort of self-made cage, having heard gunshots. That is just heartbreaking. I had no idea. Yeah. So while they were researching how to get to Europe, preferably not involving an aircraft, she discovered that they could sail back with her on the Queen Mary too. But as I very well know, competition for the onboard kennels is really fierce. Because there is just one ship that is doing it that allows dogs. Yeah, and they only have, I think it's about 20 kennels, something like that. Mm. And, you know, if you have a bigger dog, you need two kennels. And they don't do that many sailings every year. I think they do about one a month. About 20 times 12, and that's yeah. about... Yeah, exactly, and that's it. And she had sort of a window of about six months where she wanted to get back. So that's already reducing that by half. Well, they went on the waiting list, and they were on the waiting list for months. And only after they got a spot did they start to look at the requirements for getting Hope into the United Kingdom. After we booked it through to Southampton... We did our research. Way too late, but we did our research. I knew there were breed restrictions. I was expecting that, but I did not expect it to be this. What Emma was expecting was paperwork, a way of appealing for an exemption, some sort of restrictions on the dog, like having to wear a muzzle in public. Mm -hmm. And what she found instead was this paragraph on the Department for the Environment, Farming and Rural Affairs website. In the UK, it's against the law to own certain types of dog. These are Pitbull Terrier, Japanese Tosa, Dogo Argentino, and Fila Brasileiro. It's also against the law to sell a banned dog, abandon a banned dog, give away a banned dog, and breed from a banned dog. You can't do anything with these dogs. They're not supposed to exist in the UK. Whether your dog is a banned type depends on what it looks like, rather than its breed or name. I'll just pause on that for a minute. What it looks like. You heard that correctly. If your dog so much as looks like a pit bull in the UK, even if it has a DNA test that says it is not a pit bull, the dog can be seized and destroyed. You can get up to six months in jail and an unlimited fine. 
The UK does have a list of exempt dogs, but it is only open to dogs that are already in the country. It's a crime to bring her in to the country. So to get this list, we would have to commit a crime, which is punishable by six months in prison, an unlimited fine, and they could just kill her. So it's a complete catch-22. Emma's plans for her move to the UK were in tatters, and she needed to find a solution quickly. We are going to take a quick break here, but next up, you will hear how Emma and her mother hatched a plan, a plan to keep hope with the family while Emma studied in Glasgow. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. The green, grassy, beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not. Not really. But it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day. Because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Welcome back. Before the break, we heard how Emma fell in love with a pit bull called Hope and how her plans to move to Scotland with the dog were thrown into disarray when she discovered the UK has breed-specific legislation, which bans the ownership of several breeds, including pit bulls. Hope and Emma were booked onto a transatlantic crossing, which was due to dock at Southampton. But now they knew they could not get off there. So they phoned Cunard, the cruise line, in a panic. As a stroke of brilliant luck, that one particular sailing happened to go on to Hamburg and we were able to extend it. And that is the stroke of luck that made all of this work. So Hope had a spot on the ship and it was going to Europe where she'd be allowed to enter. But the ship was leaving from New York, which was on the opposite coast from where they lived. And the whole reason she was sailing was because they didn't want to put her on a plane. We knew we couldn't fly Hope. It was mostly her sound sensitivity. If there were any doors closing with a boom that sounded like gunshot to her, we were afraid that she might hurt herself trying to gnaw her way out of a kennel. And so we knew that to protect her, we needed to drive her. So I had been ready to retire for some time. And we got the call from Cunard. I put in my notice that day at work. 
Lucy, who had previously begged her daughter to get anything but a pit bull, left her job so that she could drive her daughter and this dog in her RAV4 across 11 states just to get to New York in time. It took seven days. I was driving about 10 hours a day with stops, you know, plenty of stops for hope, but they were very long days. So they got to Manhattan, they sold the RAV4 at a profit because of the crazy secondhand car market that we've got at the moment, Yeah, despite the fact that it had driven all that way. And Emma and Hope got on board the Queen Mary 2. And Emma's mum, well, the plan was that she was going to jump on a plane and spend several months living in Europe with Hope and enjoying her retirement. But that wasn't as straightforward as they thought it would be either. Of course not. I had looked into a number of countries and chosen Portugal. So I had been talking to the lawyers about flying to Hamburg, purchasing a car there, waiting for Emma and then driving us all down to Portugal to begin my new life. And they were very adamant. That was a terrible idea that first I wouldn't be able to drive a car out of Germany if I didn't have any kind of address there and it would all be registered there and I would have to get car insurance there. And there were all these bureaucratic requirements that I simply wouldn't be able to meet. So Lucy had to fly to Portugal first, buy her car there, and then drive across Europe a long distance to collect Emma and Hope. I flew to Lisbon, Portugal, took a taxi to the car dealership, and I drove from there to Hamburg. I think I had like two days because, of course, Emma on the QM2 is going across the ocean. And then we drove back to Portugal, where I am now living. So let's just recap on this whole epic journey. Lucy, who had a fear of pit bulls and told Emma never to get one, gave up her job, drove for a week across the USA to take Hope to New York, then flew over 3,000 miles to Lisbon to collect a car that she'd never seen and bought on the internet, drove on to Germany to meet the ship, and then back to Portugal to start a new life all for a dog. We should call this like vans, SUVs, ships, European cars. <laughs> what an odyssey. It is indeed. This dog I have grown to love so fully. She has turned out to be everything I didn't know a pit bull could be, which is extraordinarily loyal and loving, sweet and gentle. And she makes you a better person. The future of Emma, Lucy, and Hope isn't laid out exactly. Next year, Emma will do the next term of her master's in Dublin. And in Dublin, there is no specific breed legislation, so they'll be able to be reunited there. She doesn't know where she'll go after that in the summer term or where she'll eventually settle. But Hope is safe. And whatever happens, Emma and Lucy and Hope will do what it takes to keep the family together. Meanwhile, in the UK, thousands of dogs have been euthanized because of the way they look since the Dangerous Dogs Act was introduced in 1991. Sometimes even the owners don't have a clue that their pet might be considered to resemble a banned breed. Dr Sam Gaines is from the RSPCA. There are examples of dogs out there that we now have got pedigree certificates 
DNA that shows that they are a legal breed or a legal crossbreed, but because they look sufficiently like that standard, they are then identified as a prohibited type of dog. And if a neighbor or a stranger decides that your dog looks like a pit bull, they can report it. Your dog will be taken away by the police and they will then have that dog assessed by typically a dog legislation officer. They will make an assessment of the dog in front of them and compare it to a standard that describes what a pit bull terrier type of dog should look like. And for the UK under case law, it is the American Dog Readers Association standard that was written in the 70s that basically outlines what that dog should look like. As well as working off-breed guidelines that are decades old, there's another problem. There is no threshold in terms of characteristics that a dog has to meet to be found to be of type. So some officers may expect a 60% match in characteristics. Others might expect a much, much higher number. So it's very subjective. In the UK, we've been subjected to decades of alarmist news stories about dog attacks and particularly about pit bull and pit bull type dogs. And it's really easy to forget that in other parts of the world, these dogs are not just loved pets, but are really useful working dogs. If we look at the purebred version, which does exist over in the States, where we've had basically the same lines of dogs bred over generations, we see some fantastic pit bull terriers over there. The dogs working in search and rescue, working as pets as therapy. These dogs are absolutely fantastic. There's another side of demonising specific breeds, which I confess is not something I'd actually thought of. One of the RSPCA's concerns is the fact that by looking at breed and by labelling certain types of dogs as dangerous, that falsely misleads the general public to think that any other type of dog is safe. But it sure seems like there are very few positives to this whole breed-specific legislation in England. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, actually, Jim. And it's also very confusing. In fact, we wanted to know if anyone could actually tell a Staffordshire Bull Terrier apart from a pit bull. Now, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier is legal and a pit bull is illegal, but they look very similar. So we went to dog parks around the UK and used different side-by-side images to see if people could identify the banned dog. I'm not sure that one. I would not approach either of those dogs very happily. So he's got his ears back, which makes me think I'm a little bit wary of him because of his body language. I don't think I could tell, but I would go for that one because he he doesn't look friendly. Uh, the left, because you don't see it as often. Don't think I've seen those. And they're a pretty strong dog, aren't they? I'd guess the one on the left. The way its ears have been trimmed makes it look like it's supposed to be a vicious dog. Well, no, I can't tell the difference. I'd be guessing. I'd say it was this one. I'd probably guess this one. That one. Is that the Staffy? And that's the band breed. So we went out across the UK with like iPads to show people these two different dogs side by side and the results were so good, huh? Yeah, I should say as well that I used different side by side images because I didn't want to just have one pair of images that people would say, well, it's just those pictures that you picked. It was it was different pairings. We tried to be as scientific as we could. <laughs> Absolutely. And what's really interesting as well from those dog park interviews is that quite a few people were not only confused about which was which, but they didn't even know which one was the banned one that they were looking for. They didn't know if it was a Staffy that was banned or if it was a pit bull that was banned. And 
I was one of those people as well. When I started researching this story, I was equally confused. Well, that is a common thing. Dr. Gaines says that the dog lovers we talk to in the park are indicative of how easy it is to confuse those two breeds. This is one of the problems because ultimately, whether or not a dog is found to be of a prohibited type is down to you know, predominantly how they look. And so it is really possible for a dog like a Staffy to actually match the standard that describes a pit bull. You did hear that right. So a, a Staffy can be a pit bull. How confusing is that? When I first spoke to Emma on the ship, I said to my husband, I don't understand how pit bulls abound in the UK because I've definitely seen them out on walks. And what we've seen is how completely ineffective and random the ban is because I probably have seen pit bulls out of walks because they are fine right up until the point when somebody points at it and says, that's a pit bull and the authorities get involved and the dog can possibly be euthanized. Mm, that is just so, so scary. It reminds me of some horrible things that have happened in history in Europe uh, just, just, by, yes. just by appearances. Wow. Absolutely. And there's another aspect to all of this. You may recall that what Emma had originally hoped for when she found out she was going to the UK is that hope might be exempted and then she would be allowed to take her into the UK mm-hmm. because that exempted list seems like the solution. And there are 3,000 dogs on that list. But what Dr Gaines pointed out is that even that isn't a perfect solution. Whilst we, as the RSPCO, hugely welcome the exemption process and we'd much rather that dogs have this opportunity, we can't ignore the fact that being kept on a lead and being muzzled within a public place for the rest of their lives comes at a real cost to their welfare and to owner well-being. When you look at all of this, it is not hard to see why the RSPCA are campaigning so hard for change. What the RSPCA wants to see is an end to breed-specific legislation. There is quite a lot of research that's been done outside of the UK that has shown that actually targeting specific types of dogs does not better protect public safety. It does not lead to reduction in bites. And we now know that there is no robust scientific evidence that suggests that these four types of dog pose any greater risk to the public than any other type of dog. If you want to find out more about the RSPCA's campaign to end breed-specific legislation, we've included a link to their campaign page in the show notes. And if you'd like to see photos of hope, and who wouldn't like to see photos of a happy dog, we've included those on our social those media beautiful channels. yellow eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, the famous gold glowing eyes. With the eyeshadow. <laughs> so you can find those on our social media channels. I want to thank you for taking us along on your walk today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And I want to thank Emma and Lucy for their generosity when you approached Emma on the ship and her follow-up with you. Their story is inspiring. Don't forget to follow Dog Edition on your favorite podcast app or indeed on YouTube. And if you're in the dog park chatting to fellow dog lovers, then make sure you give our podcast a mention and let them know about our sister shows as well. You can catch up with The Long Leash with James Jacobson by heading to dogpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Claire Mansell. And I'm James Jacobson. Thank you so much for listening today. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. 
We're going to take a quick break right now, but next up, we will hear how Emma and her human mother hatched a plan to keep hope with the family <laughs> while Emma, Emma course, studied in... Emma's got a human mother. She's a human. <laughs> I will read the words the way you wrote them. <laughs> We are going to take a quick break right here. But when we come back, you will hear how Emma and her human mother. <laughs> Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast. <laughs> 